Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com, that's K-O hyphen F-I.com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I'm here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is answering your questions. So Holly has gotten a bunch of questions. Uh, We've gotten a bunch of questions in the podcast, and we have not ignored them. It's just there's literally so much to talk about (laughs) when it comes to writing that it just takes a while. But we figured what we can do is every now and then we will take a couple of the questions that we have found and then just kind of go over them and give you answers. If you are somebody that has questions and just hasn't asked them anywhere, go to the, the podcast forum on hollyswritingclasses.com and just ask us, you know? Yes, we have a topic pinned right up at the top. So yeah, your questions. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, questions might turn into episodes like they have in the past, or if there's something that we can just help you in a mini or an episode like this, then we will. So before we get into the questions, as always, let's talk about our week. Holly? Well, uh, pretty good week this week. Um, in spite of uh, hot and cold running chaos, which is going to be the way things are for a little while yet, um, I still managed to get about 4,800 words written on the Ohio novel. I nice. managed to get another chunk of chapters done on the read-through revision of Dead Man's Party. And I had this amazing breakthrough yesterday. Um, no, I'm sorry. Yesterday was Saturday. I had this Saturday, amazing yeah, Friday. breakthrough on Friday where I just asked myself, this one, I started into my octopus map for the series because I am about two thirds of the way through the first draft and I'm starting to have all of these different pieces of what's going to be in the entire series. So I started figuring out, I wrote out my, my uh, central sentence, you know, this is overall what the series is about. And I went to the first leg of, of the octopus map and I put the pen I just hovered it over the first circle and all of a sudden I knew what went in there and it was nothing like what I had imagined and it completely blew me away and I'm so excited and I love this series. I just love this series. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We've, yeah. So <laughs> we kind of had um, those breakthroughs on Friday. Well, didn't you also work on the extra how to write a novel bonus? Oh yes, I did. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten that. Yeah. Because, um, I decided that along with the the regular big bonus that I got, which is how to figure out how to put together uh, really, really complicated novels with multiple, view, multiple viewpoint characters and multiple plot lines and multiple conflicts, um, I also wanted to do something just really simple. And that particular bonus that I just decided to throw in is how to take a standalone novel 
and turn it into a series. And this is for uh, those of us who occasionally write books that are just going to be one book, and then for one reason or another, they, they click with readers, and uh, you need to expand because people want to read more about these same characters. You need to figure out how to, to turn that one book that you were just going to be a, just going to have as a one-off into a series. So that's... Or, I mean, or if you're a writer and you, you found, you know, you really freaking enjoyed writing that book. Oh, yeah. And you were just... Well, yeah, if you're you like, get how can I How can I do more in this world? <laughs> but, the, but the other cool thing is you didn't just throw that in there. You asked the people in the course what they wanted and gave them a list of bonuses mm-hmm. and let them vote. Yeah. So that's... I thought... I, I just always love it when you, you know, you ask people, you know, what do you... What do you want? Yeah. And that's why I keep saying, you know, if you have questions, ask. Because, like, it's, you know, if you ask questions, we are paying attention. Yeah. And it, it isn't that it will always be answered in an episode because episode or uh, in a, a podcast episode because those tend to be pretty short. Uh, sometimes it will take a class. Sometimes it will take a big class. Sometimes it will take a huge mungus class. And sometimes it's something <laughs> I could just put together in a little workshop. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... But yeah, so, so that yeah, your that questions. was your week. Was there anything else? No, no, everything else was just chaos. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I had a, a my my week was busy, but I I mean I was still really happy with what I got. I got the because okay because of the birthday, um, it was it. We ripped up carpet, but I was the one that was doing all of the work when, when it came to the carpet. And I was perfectly fine with that because it's something I was able to do. And then nobody else was touching that damn carpet. So um, I did a lot of scrubbing with steel wool and um, just the, uh, chiseling and hitting stuff with hammers and, and stuff like that. And my wrists are already pretty weak. If you are a, a voracious writer, you, you probably understand the issues that I'm having. Um, and mom bought me a really cool keyboard for my birthday that will be here in the fall. And I keep asking myself, is it fall yet? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so I already have really bad wrists. I'm also an artist and I also used to crochet a lot. Now I knit instead because it, it's, you know, better on your wrists or better on my wrists. Um, but so my wrists were absolutely aching. It, like the last time on the podcast, usually I will snap my fingers if we if we like make a mistake or something and we have to stop stuttering or, you know, repronounce a word or, you know, realize that, you know, you said 13 curse words in a row because you keep messing something up. But mom saw I couldn't even snap my fingers. It yeah. was I just in so much pain. So I took a couple of days off. But when I got back into culture, it was so amazing. It was like I hadn't gone anywhere. I I was just absolutely enthralled with the stuff I was getting. I was getting a little bit less because the wrists, uh, wrists were still a little achy. And I didn't want to push them too hard and the fingertips too. But um, I am... I, I got... Okay, so one thing that I created back when I was like 19 or 20. Other than the name, the Ohora Atsara... Um, and a couple of different ideas when it came to the natives that lived there were um, the char- was a character called Anakti, and not a, it, not like Anakti. It was a character called Nakti, and it's not a person. 
but it's people. What it is is it is the the basically like the ambassador from Fulton Hills that deals with the NoHo. I've always had that idea, you know, that it was it was, but in a vague kind of way. So when I started working on my culture, um, I, I've been doing a lot of history, and that was my summer of fiction writing goal was just to kind of build up my world book. And the main focus was on my native people. I found out where the name came from and I found out and it it just seemed to flow so well because I I created a couple of things first in another area, created some new words in the language, came back and and found out that Nocti originally that was a person's name. It was a nickname. And what was amazing is is he um, turned out to be the person that was trying to get the Noho and the Yaktaknuk to get together a little bit less um, conflicty. <laughs> so I thought that how cool is it that you know this person is now you know that that he was the original person trying to get two cultures to clash less. So it turns out that when the first white men came up and were trying to settle Fulton Hills and then they came upon the, or the indigenous people came upon them because their scouts had seen them. Um, so the king and the queen at, at that time, they used to go out with their, their uh, scouts if, they, if there was a possibility of some kind of peril that their people were in. They don't do that anymore, but they used to. And they were fierce warriors. So they showed up and the queen, in dealing with the the one white guy that was trying to like calm his people down and talk to them and try and communicate, because I can't even imagine how frustrating and difficult that could have been. That was for other people. Yeah, no that common language. Exli- yeah, yeah, yeah. She told her king and her scouts and her people with her that she recognized the spirit of Nakti alum in him. They start calling him Nakti. Um, I'm such a dork for this culture <laughs> stuff, man. I really am. I'll probably cut some of this down, even though everybody's saying, you know, don't don't cut it. We love hearing everything that you guys are doing as well as everything, you know, all of the questions and the episodes. But, oh, it's just building up this culture especially after so many years of, of not doing it. I'm telling you, people, if, if you've got a, a world you want to work in, um, but you don't feel ready yet, that's cool. Just start working on the culture. Start working on the language. Start in somewhere. Yeah. And you can still write your other stuff. But don't wait until you, you know, <laughs> don't wait so many years because it, it I w- waited like 15 years to start working on this and that's a shame yeah well but but now you're I ready mean, yeah so yeah the other thing is I did I did come up with a couple of different ideas I did do that one book I did do a couple of different things with with you know the culture and the world but yeah just not this stuff oh god yeah that's that's what I'm having such fun with with mine right now is world building yeah yeah 
So Okay, so let's get into the questions. So, yeah, we have a ton of questions, pages and pages of questions to to go through and answer and it's going to take a while, but we are going to get to them in one fashion or another. We will definitely do our do the best that we can to get to them, you know, as soon as possible. And sometimes questions can be answered in the forums. If you, if you want something from Holly, if you want something from me, just say this is specifically for so-and-so, and that way other people in the forum will answer. It is a, already kind of a, a, a rule in the Holly's writing classes that if you are asking Holly a question, that nobody else respond until after Holly's done. But this, when it comes to these questions, we have a ton, so we're just going to get through what we can in each episode. It might be what five questions it might be one question in an episode (laughs) (laughs) so let's get to the first one okay the first one concerns mental health and the writer and we're not going to put any names to any of these at all so it's just uh because some people might not want to be mentioned some people might it's just easier no names so I have days that I am insanely excited about life and the fact that I get to write and I have days that I struggle to even get out of bed and function My writing quality seems to be roughly the same on either kind of day, but my writing motivation, the ability to actually put words on page or words on the page varies hugely. Do you have any tricks that can make the slow moving days of mental overwhelm a little easier? And then in parentheses says not paying attention to the news, staying off Facebook and refusing to have discussions about politics seems to help, but it's not a panacea. All right. Okay. Holly. Yeah. Um, First, the, (laughs) okay, Um, don't look at it as motivation. Just look at it as your day job, as the thing that you are going to do, whether you feel like it or not. And if you don't like the word job, don't use the job. Right, right, but. Habit or something like that. You know, a lot of people don't want to turn their writing into a job. Yeah, but don't don't look at it as I have to be fe- I have to feel motivated in order to do this, because yeah. if you are looking for that excitement, you are looking for that enthusiasm. Uh, there are going to be days when it just simply isn't there, and that's no matter who you are. That's no matter how long you've been doing it. That's no matter how much you love doing this. And I love doing this. And there are still days where I get up and go, No, I really think I'd rather get back to bed. But then I just get up anyway, and I go in, and I sit at the keyboard because this is what I do. And if you show up, frequently your enthusiasm will follow you in a few minutes later. Yeah. And you have to, you have to be there. Um, it, it's kind of like the definition of parenthood. Uh, the best parents are the ones who are there. Um, <laughs> The ones yeah. who, yeah, when the kid needs something, the, the parent is there. When the kid doesn't need something, the parent is there. So it's that way with writing. You're, it, it, you just have to be there. And then after that, you start asking yourself questions. And yeah, avoiding media, avoiding any sort of social media whatsoever, avoiding the internet, avoiding wandering around clicking links uh, will will save you from from getting distracted and losing your time and getting frustrated. Um, and this is one of those ask me how I know statements in which I used to get sucked in. I used to uh, 
um, spend time answering uh, and debating and discussing uh, current events and issues and just a lot of crap that did absolutely nothing for my writing and nothing for me as a human being. Uh, it just kind of fed uh, somebody that I didn't want to be. So I stopped doing it. And yeah. my writing has, has gotten a whole lot better as a result. And my mood has gotten a whole lot better as a result. Um, yeah, we get a lot of the artists in the Fan Art Workshop Consortium on Facebook um, that say, oh, you know, like, I, especially my one friend, I just have to find the motivation to draw. And, and I used to feel like I, I understood that, I used to feel like that word was, was applicable, mm -hmm. but it's not. And I've come to actually hate motivation, <laughs> that word motivation, because we trick ourselves into believing that we can't do something unless we feel pumped up, unless we feel excited about it. And, and a lot of this comes from society's bullshit imitation of what being an artist or a writer is. A lot of it comes from our own heads, our own inner critic. We don't have to be excited to do something. Think about all the stuff you do on a daily basis that you are not excited about. If you're a, a, a cleaning nut, it's because you show up every day and you, you clean. And if you don't like to clean, but your house is clean, you have a lovely house. And maybe you learn to love to clean. I don't know. But that's still, it's, it is a daily habit. So you, a lot of people don't want to look at writing as work, you know, and a lot of people want to have that enjoyment. Your enjoyment will show up. It's, it's like what Picasso said, inspiration needs to find you working or something, you know, I might be paraphrasing, Yeah. but that's, that's basically it is start yourself in that work. And typically the motivation will show up, especially if you, if you're finding yourself with the quality of your words being the same on both days, that is a great indicator that you need to pump it up to the next step and just get into a more routine habit. The other things that I can notice too for myself is I have to have a timer going. Now we say we prefer 10 minute timers. It's, it's the best for us. We have a lot of people that are doing it, um, you know, on and off. We've got Natasha who's gone over 180 days now. <laughs> um, a lot of, a lot of people might find that they need longer mm -hmm. than 10 minutes. So just try it out. But when you have that timer there, that helps you from being distracted and distractions when it comes to regular work, trying to multitask and then having distractions like your phone notifications going off, they say that it takes about 10 or 15 minutes to get back into that mindset. For creative work, when it's a flow, you can destroy that mindset for supposedly up to 20 minutes. Right. And this is this is not for people who, like Holly and me, who, who can get into the flow relatively quickly after so many years and a lot of other writers can but if you're somebody who has not become a habit maker when it comes to your writing every time you get distracted by a notification it could pull you off now a lot of parents have have a more 
a better ability <laughs> to be distracted and get back to what they are doing. You kind of have times. to be. Yeah. Because you have kids coming up the stairs and yelling from below and asking you questions and fighting with each other. And yeah. it's. Yeah. And just breaking stuff in the house and running around. And, y- yeah. you know, just the noise itself would, would distract you. So, so parents, I think, have this. Um, upper hand in this area kind of well yeah you have these little explosions going off in the back of your head all the time anyway it's sort of like riding in the middle of a combat zone uh, so yeah. so yeah <laughs> so parents you know you might not have the problems that i'm talking about but you know turning off notifications on your phone for the for a time where you're writing mm-hmm. Putting up a block of time, if you can schedule your writing and then consistently do it for a little while, you'll find you start to get excited just sitting down, just getting getting to that point of the day where you get to write. You'll find that as you continue to build this habit and as you continue to show up to write, when you show up to write, you'll start to feel that motivation, that you feel you're lacking that inspiration because you're showing up to work. Right. So, I mean, but like Holly said, some days you're just going to have a shit day where you still write. And when that happens, it is a really good idea to have a question. And um, frequently I will have a question that I get from, from just standing, taking a shower, which is the thing I do before I go to work is I I take my shower, the water runs on my head, I will be thinking about what I'm going to be writing that day. I will come up with a question or two, I will amble on into the the office after I'm all dressed and sit down and, and I will have a question. But if you don't routinely work this way, I'm going to give you a question that I am going to recommend you memorize. And anytime you sit down and, and you're having a hard start, you know, it's, it feels like the motor's all frozen and you're out of gas and you just, you're having a really hard time getting started. Ask, what don't I know about one of your characters, one of your settings, or one of your conflicts? What don't I know? And then you just let the muse sit there. And it sometimes if you just open an empty document, like a text document, and just start letting your fingers ask Type the question, what don't I know? Because that's your first words right there. What don't I know? Well, I like, I saw one of your questions somewhere else. It was, what is the muse hiding from me? That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. That's my personal favorite. Because then the muse gets all giggly and comes up with it. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, but you just, you just let your fingers run then. This isn't words that count, but it is warming your brain up. It's getting the motor running. It's, it's, it's like sitting in the car and warming it up on a cold day before you try and pull out of the driveway so that you don't, you know, kill the car. Uh, you do the same thing with your writing. Sometimes you just need to warm up a little bit. And then the other yeah, thing. The same oh. thing with art too. No, I was just going to say it's the same thing with art too. It's like, even if you're drawing daily, a lot of people will do warm up uh, sketches and warm up. Like teachers will tell you you know, their favorite way of warming up. And it's usually just they have a sketchbook and they'll draw, some of them draw intricate shit and some of them draw little peanuts or circles and hatching every single day. That That is an artist tip is is to warm up before every single day, which writing, luckily, you know, I don't have to do it. I don't, 
I know you don't have to do it, but yeah, it's always there. It's always an option. Right. It is. And and there are times, I don't know, I think when I'm standing in the shower, I am partly warming up. I think maybe rereading what you wrote the other day might be warming that up. That helps too. Yeah. Just, yeah. just pick the last few paragraphs of whatever you wrote the day before and read through it and, and maybe, you know, make a couple of small changes don't go back and revise, but you know if you see some things you spelled wrong, you can you can fix that if you. Yeah, see, I can't even do that because I print everything off. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you are printing off, which we do recommend also, um, then you don't do that. But you you read through, you talk to yourself, maybe read it out loud, and then you just start in writing. Then the other thing is set a reasonable success word count. And this is just for your shitty days. This is for the days when you feel like crap. And even after you sat there and you've asked yourself, what don't I know? And you have done maybe a little bit of a warm up right. And you are writing, set a reasonable success word count. Like uh, if I get a, just a maximum of 350 words today, which is like a page and a half, uh, double spaced, one and a half inch margins. Um, that's if I, if, or if I get 300 words today, because I feel so crappy, I'm going to be satisfied with 300 words. And, and then, if 350 words is your daily, like your, your best because you're time limited, then say a hundred words. Right. Or say if, if I get good answers to what I don't know, you know, and then, right. then, you know, I, I think that that could be a really good goal, too, depending on how much time you have available. Because some people come into the 10-minute timer challenge, and they only have 20 minutes to work a day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So so everything has to be set around what you can do on your best day. And then you figure, okay, on my worst day, I'm not going to shoot for a best day goal, whatever that might be. I'm going to shoot for maybe 25% of that. And when I get 25% of that, I'm done. And when you get 25% of that, when you get that small goal on the shitty day, you walk away with success. You stop there because you don't say, okay, well, I got that, so let me see if I can just grind a little further. No, on days when you feel like absolute crap and you just just cannot get into the work, a small success is better than a big failure. Yeah, so, a small success is better than trying to sit there and burn yourself out and then you just don't want to show up the next day because you burnt yourself out over and over. It's that writing to failure thing. Right. But you can also find yourself saying, oh, well, you know, today's just going to be a shitty day. No. Don't let your brain create those shitty days as an excuse to get less done. Really try your hardest to get yourself into this kind of stuff. You know, listen to uh, what motivates you to write. Listen to our other podcasts that we have on the topic. You can move yourself. Mm -hmm. And find the fun. Because really, this is the best damn job on the planet. This is a fun, fun, fun job where you get to make shit up and talk to invisible people and and hang out in worlds that don't exist and make them real for yourself and then make them real for somebody else. And how cool is that? I mean, yeah. who who gets paid for that? Well, we do. So and if you and if you're finding yourself not enjoying this kind of stuff, you might not be a writer. <laughs> you know, that's that's just what I got to say. Yeah, if well, if you find yourself showing up to the page every single day hating everything you're doing either you're doing it wrong or 
you have this this idea in your head that you need to be a writer and maybe you should be something else. Yeah. You know, it's it's fine joy in life because if you've been writing for 15 years and you've hated every minute of it, you're not supposed to be a writer. Right. You need to find something right. else. Right. That's like me trying to be an artist. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I thought for sure from the time I was like seven years old that I was going to be a famous professional artist. And when I got out of high school, I put myself into situations where I could try to do that. And I hated it. I hated every fucking minute of it. It was awful. It was miserable and it made me unhappy and it made me hate life. And I I suddenly realized, you know what? Maybe that's not what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you discover that about yourself, that's okay because you will find something else that you love if you allow yourself to walk away from the thing that you hate and go find it. It might take a while. Yeah. 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 yeah it might take a while, but, I mean, also, you can change. People change. So just pay attention to what's making you happy. Like Holly says, find the fun. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So the next question what if you realize that your heart isn't in the story, that there isn't enough you and what resonates with you? How do you add more you magic into the story? Okay. This is a cool question because this is really all about finding the fun. And the first thing that you do is you ask your muse, what is the secret you haven't shown me yet? Okay. So you go into work one morning and you say, you know what? This story just isn't me. This story just, I'm not passionate about it. I'm, I'm not dying to get in here every morning so that I can find out what happens next. You ask yourself, what secret haven't you shown me yet? You ask this to your muse. And again, this is where you pull out a text file or where you pull out your little notebook and a pen and you just start writing and you aren't writing anything. You're just writing words. You're throwing words on a page. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I don't know, but what do I not know? I don't know what I don't know, but, 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 but there's a wall. Why is there a wall? There's not supposed to be a wall in the middle of this scene, but the wall has blood on it. Why is there blood on the wall? Why is there blood running down from the ceiling above? What's in the attic? And from I don't have anything, you go to something is bleeding in the attic. Not not necessarily dead with dried blood. There's bright red blood dripping from the ceiling. Why? (laughs) And your muse will do that for you. You You just ramble. You just write crap until the crap starts turning into something, until it starts turning into these little questions that you haven't asked, but that your right brain starts throwing you these little pictures and you go, wall. why is there a wall? Why is there blood? Why is there this? And then you walk up into the attic in your mind and you see what's up there. And maybe it's just a, a raccoon that got cut and is, you know, bleeding out. Maybe it's a neighbor. Um, maybe, maybe it's a neighbor with a bloody knife and somebody he was dispatching in your attic. You don't know until you go up there and you look. Well, it also depends on who you are as a person. Oh, well, yeah. Obviously it's not going to always be a bloody wall, but (laughs) 
um, for a lot of people out there, your muse is going to give you stuff that is related to what excites it. It's it's going to... it. The more you use and listen to your right side and tell your inner critic, okay, this is not time for you right now. We're just playing. And you let the muse run with every idea, no matter what your inner critic is saying. Oh, that's stupid. Oh, that's trite. Oh, that's a trope. Oh, that's been done a million times. Just ignore that inner critic and write down all of the different ideas and think about what excites me. What do I love to watch? What do I love to read? You know, because that's what your muse is going to be pulling out is stuff that excites you. That's the, the, the question that you ask, what don't I know, tends to excite that right hand, that right side of your brain that gets excited at, let's say you like watching crime documentaries, you know, the 48 hour shows and the, the murder mystery shows and stuff like that. Um, then yeah, there might be a bloody wall or maybe there's, you know, somebody moves a picture frame and there's a bullet hole, you know, while they're, while they're trying to redecorate. So those kind of things. But if you like fantasy, what don't I know? Holy shit. Like that could turn into, you know, well, this tree starts talking to me Mm -hmm. or there's a fat little fairy. I love my fat little fairy, (laughs) you know, and he's, he's a jerk and he just ruined my job interview. So it's, it's, (laughs) Yes. It's not going to be something weird and unfitting to you if you are asking your muse, what are you hiding from me? What don't I know about this scene? What is, you know, what are you sitting over there giggling in the corner about? Then you're going to get something that excites you right. eventually. Right. And that is really important. Now, the second thing is ask your muse who isn't who he or she appears to be. And this, again... That's a cool one. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at the characters that you already have in the story. And these can be major characters. These can be minor characters. These can be just some guy who was standing out at the street corner when your character walked past, and she noticed that he smelled a little funky. Okay? So then you go, okay, well, why, why, why was... We don't have a bad homeless problem in the area. Uh, it's a very small town. We take care of our people. We've got so so. Who is this guy who who hasn't been to the the shelter? Who hasn't used the shelter facilities, which include a shower? Why why is he? Why did I smell him? Why 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 was he dirty and ragged? Turns out, if you ask, that he's an undercover cop, and he is way undercover. And he is watching the house across from yours, and the house has something horrible going on in it, and some sort of criminal underworld element from another dimension is operating out of the house across the street, and that's where I go from somebody smells bad at the bus stop. And that was just off the top of my head. So, um, okay, I'm going to hand that over to you for a minute. Well, that's actually how I came up with the problem that uh, Knight has in the Glass House series <clears throat> is that I was just, this this was a while ago, but um, I wanted to give one of them a problem and I didn't have an original idea for, for, you know, it to be anything. All I knew was I wanted one of them to have some kind of problem or affliction when it came to the paranormal. Um and I remember I was walking him through 
his like interview because I I will do interviews with the character where I'm like a psychiatrist or a therapist or whatever and they're talking to me and he talked about a guy that had scared him when he was younger and I know this is this is trite because my you know my inner critic was like once he answered the question he's like oh well duh of course that's it you know (laughs) it's always dead people I see dead people real original but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because that's what excited me and that's what gave Knight a very, very cool little twist. It's it's not the idea itself that is of value, like Holly says. It's how you create your special version of that idea. Right. It is how you write what is important to you with your ideas. Yeah. So the fact that he sees dead people since he was little, yeah, okay, the, go watch The Sixth Sense. It, it, it go you know like watch any horror documentary or movie or whatever ghosts about ghosts you're gonna have kids seeing dead people because they do but when it comes tonight he's got different uh different reasons and different that there are different twists on him seeing this ghost and interacting with any ghosts that make it mine so it's the same thing, whatever ideas you have, even if your inner critic is fighting you on it, just know that if you really like that idea, fucking stick with it because you can make it yours. Yes, exactly. Oh boy, it makes me so crazy <clears throat> when somebody is insisting that they have had an original idea and that, it, it, you know, I get a lot of really great email and then I get some email from people who want to know if they can hire me to write a novel because mm-hmm. they had this idea and they know the idea is going to be a bestseller, New York Times number one multi-million dollar thing. And they are willing to give me a uh, half of yes. whatever it is that this idea that they came up with to write the book for them because they had the idea. And obviously that's the hard part and the easy part is writing the damn novel. Okay. A. The, the, no. Just one thing I want to say real quick. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Other than other than this is going to be a, a, a bit of a rant here that you're going to hear. But <laughs> the, the thing is, these people are like a drop in the ocean as far as like, and the ocean is them. That that's 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 how common these people are. That's how common it is for somebody who is a non-creative. Um, who doesn't want to put the work in. And who generally doesn't read. Yeah, generally doesn't read, doesn't really watch much, you know, artsy films or weird films or independent films, just just watches the main blockbusters that come out and watches the big stars. These these are the people that that fill an ocean. Every single drop is another person who comes to you with this idea. They are everywhere. They are all the time. And the more you you tell people you're a writer the more you're going to see this is true because everybody thinks that they have this million dollar, billion dollar, next Harry Potter, next Bible idea. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So the idea is not what is original. You can take any idea and when you put yourself into it, any idea becomes original because you are unique. 
The idea is not. The idea is this thin little wisp of something. And uh, at one point, I went through, I think, 100 ideas in about an hour. I just threw out a stack of ideas as a demo and said, okay, these are all ideas. And you just, but the, the, the thing is, it doesn't matter whether they're unique or whether they're, in, the idea doesn't even have to be interesting. It is what you bring to it, your world, your characters, the, the experiences that you have gone through in your life and your pain and suffering far more than all of the good shit that's happened to you. Because the, the things that have gone wrong teach you. Yeah. And they allow you to make your characters relatable. They allow you to make your world understandable. They allow you to introduce this reality, this grounding in, well, you know, <laughs> I, can, I can relate to that person because that person is divorced and had a shitty marriage and uh, lost a couple of friends over the divorce besides just the ex and uh, is living in a crappy house with cardboard furniture because it, there's just no money. And it's just, this is, this is where you bring what matters to the idea. So any idea you have, when you bring yourself to it, will become a good idea. So I got a little wound up there and a little off to one side. So let me just say again, you ask your muse, who isn't who he or she appears to be. And then you follow up on that by, by letting your muse show you secrets about minor characters, people just that you just kind of threw in there as window dressing. They aren't always going to be window dressing. Sometimes they are going to knock your socks off. Okay. And then now, finally, that takes me to the what happens next. Here's the thing that can really crush your writing is if you know what happens next all the way to the end. This is when you have been told that you need to have the book completely outlined. And w one second, I'm just saying, notice that she said this can destroy, not this will, mm -hmm. because some people work just perfectly fine yeah. with an outline. Yeah. So yeah, sorry, go ahead. I just, I wanted to clarify. Yeah. So that takes us to what happens next. And the thing that if you are, if your heart isn't in the story, if you know what happens next all the way to the end, because you have outlined it, that can kill your desire to write. And it is one of the most it was, it was something that I was taught was to do a paragraph per scene outline and then to write and just expand, you know, 10 pages per paragraph. Uh, and I couldn't do it. I simply could not write that way because my muse said, no, if, if I have already written these paragraphs, I have already written that story. Now I want to do something different. And this isn't, you know, this isn't going to be the case for everybody. I know there are people who are very happy to work that way. Um, but if this is you, and if you have had your entire story mapped out and a line for scene outlines all to all the way to the end or paragraph per scene outlines with details and you know what's going to happen next and you know, 
and you find that you cannot drag yourself to write the words, lose the outline. And uh, because I had to, while I was working commercially, do these outlines and send them to editors, uh, I just learned, well, this is going to be the story they don't get because I cannot write this thing twice. I will, so I will figure out ways to make it better. And with everything that, that I had as my outline, I figured out, okay, well, so how do I make it not this, but better? And scene for scene, line for line and scene for scene, I would go through and I would play this game for myself. And invariably, the book turned out better than what I thought it would. The editor was happy with it. It still hit all the basic themes because you, your theme you know and your characters, you're not going to you know, kill off everybody that you love. So the characters are still going to be there. But the book that you, you write is much more twisty and surprising because you're bouncing off of these things that were there that you're not using and making them something new and different and better. And that made it possible for me when I was working to hard outlines to do it without actually writing to the outline. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like Holly said, some people, some people are great with outlines. Like some people can put the twists in the outlines and, and still figure stuff out. It's, it's not a definite. It's just because I have worked to outlines and I've enjoyed it. I have found that working with Fulton Hills um, and working on, with how to write a novel, which is now closed, I think. Yeah. It's closed. Now. Week, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so working with how to write a novel and not using an outline, um, I found that that was very exciting and it's also exciting because now I know I can work either way. And, and now I know that I don't have to hold so tightly to this thing that I used to do that used to, you know, help around when it came from the original works, but I didn't used to do it with the fan fiction. (laughs) And I realized that just recently that the some of my favorite things were not written to an outline. So if, like Holly says, if 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 you are writing to a very strict outline, try not, and vice versa. If you don't outline and you're struggling, try plotting it out. Try going kind of halfway. You know, just try something different. Yes, yes. I- anytime something isn't working come at it from a different approach. So is that our, is that the end for that question? That is the end for that question, yes. Okay, so that has been us answering your questions. And remember, we will be doing this again and again, uh, answering a couple of different questions and then, you know, sharing it with you guys. So if you have any questions, go to hollyswritingclasses.com and take a look in the Alone in a Room with Invisible People podcast forum. pinned to the top is a uh, your suggestions and questions or your podcast topics and questions something along those lines and we would love to hear from you we talked about a bunch of different things but two of holly's uh, smaller courses that i'd like to mention today because it's kind of fitting in the topic would be 21 ways to get yourself writing when your life has just exploded (laughs) and holly's uh, how to find your writing discipline both of those are i think they're both like under 15 bucks 
and they are both really good courses. Obviously, Holly has had her life explode many times, so she would she would definitely uh, be the one that you know can speak from experience there. So you can follow us on the socials. We are at A I A R W I P on Twitter. We're at Alone with Invisible People on Instagram. Thank you for reminding me repeatedly. And you can search the hashtag on either of those alone in a room with invisible people or alone with invisible people. You can find us on Facebook at alone in a room with invisible people. And you can find us at alone with invisible people.com. Any of the links, uh, things that we've talked about or anything like that, they will be listed in the show notes at alone with invisible people.com. And of course, we would love to have you join the growing community we have on hollyswritingclasses.com. Just create a free account, come and join us in the forums and ask your questions. So thank you guys very much. Holly has left early today. So I'm just going to go ahead and wrap up and say we love you guys. And you know, remember what Holly always says, you can do this. So go do it. (laughs) 